and that also led me thinking, Aditi, it's, you know, uh, those days there was this Middle East war going on and all, and you could see on TVs, kids dying. But then, you know, I could relate it to my cancer. The medicine, the chemotherapy, to kill the cancer cells, they killed my good cells. I lost my hair. I had a problem with my teeth. And a lot of my system was, uh, even my eyesight went because of that. It was same uh, what was happening it, to solve one terrorist problem, whatever the political issues are there in Middle East. Mm. They were killing kids and children and all. So yeah, it gave, uh, I started looking at things very differently. Hi there, welcome to Absolutely Right, the very first graphology or handwriting analysis based podcast show in India. Now, every Wednesday, my attempt is to bring you a conversation that can transform you, that can get you to think or rethink the way you are going about your work, about your career, about your personal life through all the conversations that we have with our guest. But today's conversation is special because it is so beautiful that I was making notes while asking the questions to our guest. It was an honor to interview our guest today. She is a veteran with 30 years of corporate experience, a cancer survivor and a single woman who single-handedly has managed to create some revolutionary campaigns when it comes to retail market in India you know, for so many years. She is currently working as the managing director for Timex Group and has worked with multiple corporates like Darber, Philips, Sony, and her insights into how to work, how to get your performance to the next level, and how to survive in certain situations are are really, really beautiful. So if you choose to make notes and implement the lessons that you learned today, please make sure that you tell me because I'm curious to know what resonates with you because I have my own points to work on. Without further ado, let me invite Sharmila to join us on this conversation. Let's get started. Hi, Sharmila. Hi, Aditi. Welcome to Absolutely Right. I am very curious. I have so many questions for you, this whole journey. And I was telling our listeners that how your career path has been through really important companies and at a point where our country was going through a transformation, a a huge shift in retail market was happening. So please tell us, how did your journey begin? You know, so first, I'm more intrigued. I'm here not because of me, I'm here because of you. I uh, when you guys approached me, I was wondering what you guys are up to. So this is equally interesting. Uh, for Thank you. So I started working 30 years ago. And uh, again, I have to say uh, that I'm not from a premium uh, MBA institute. And just before that, I want to say I wanted to be a doctor. Okay. So I am in this profession by default. But uh, after 30 years of working, I think uh, I was made for this and I'm really enjoying what I'm really (laughs) So coming out of a B school, which is not premium, you know, it has its challenges. But the thing is, you start from the bottom and you work extra hard. True. Uh, I remember I did my summer training in Nestle and in Nestle, there was one guy from IM and I was from this school from Ghaziabad. And uh, I had to work extra hard. But when, you know, the, there was a Swedish managing director when he took our presentations, he just judged us on our presentations and not because of which B school we came from. And, nice. uh, you know, that was really motivating for me. And uh, I, I, I made that key. So if I apply to jobs, I'll apply for multinationals where they don't really judge you by the schools. 
That's amazing. And yes. That's so interesting because so many times people feel their beginning points decide how far they can go. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. So that's true. Uh, yeah. So then uh, after B school, I joined Kelvinator, you know. So Kelvinator used to have the highest market share. And uh, but those days, Godrage, you know, they came up with this puff campaign. I don't know how many of you remember. And uh, they were eating into the market share. And I was so uh, I was lucky to be part of that team to do something with the product. I think my love for products started from there. So I was like, uh, go between the sales team, the dealers and the R&D team. So I used to collect information, give it to R&D and they used to convert it into the consumer language. So that was uh, Calvinator. So after two so that was the beginning of the curious mind to understand what can I create as a product. Absolutely. And, uh, you know, that early time, you know, uh, the consumer, understanding the consumer, when you read the quotas, they told you, understand the consumer and all. But how do you do it? And that's when I realized. So my boss used to tell me, you know, after my uh, factory used to close around 6.30, uh, 5.30. And he asked me to go to a dealer shop in Lajpat Nagar. I still remember RV Electronics. And he said, you sit there and sell refrigerators for one hour and then you go. So sitting there looking at how the ladies used to come and decide and how the ladies used to eye something and the husband used to make the decision. <laughs> All these things, you know, really helped. And it was very interesting. I never thought it was work. I said, wow, I'm enjoying this and they are paying me. <laughs> so two things that you said, I, I can totally borrow this. Uh, when I started my career as a graphologist, I did a tie up with Cafe Coffee Day. And mm. I used to go on every table and give my pamphlet because the idea was their tagline was a lot can happen over coffee. And I pitched the idea to the marketing head saying that if, if anything can happen over coffee, why not graphology? Wow. And she said, yeah, that's interesting. So that was my first pitch in a way. Mm -hmm. And my sister used to tease me all, all the time. She said, you love coffee. You love music. You love talking to people. Why do they pay you? Like they shouldn't be paying you at all. So what you're saying is that you love your work. You absolutely don't right. take it in that sense. Right. Right. But if, if not this career of analyzing people, consumer behavior would have been my other career option for the same reason that you described how people make choices and why do they do what they do is is definitely absolutely. fascinating absolutely absolutely That's which was your toughest launch according to you in all these years uh, a product launch product launch yeah yeah so you know i have done a lot of launches when i was recently redoing my resume so, uh, of course, I did refrigerators and then in Sony, we launched the DVDs, the VCDs, the home theaters. But uh, I'll tell you what, uh, you know, I worked for this German company, Sennheiser, they're into audio. Right. In India, people could not even pronounce the name Sennheiser. Right. And the brand awareness was 2%. And I decided to set up this company and sell Sennheiser headphones. And that time, you know, the mobile revolution was just picking up. People did not buy headphones like they're buying today. True. Uh, so it was so challenging. So the first year we could not meet our targets and the team was getting motivated, demotivated and the dealers were like, uh, maybe uh, we should not stop this brand. We call that campaign uh, market creation uh, uh, campaign. Our value proposition is you're buying these headphones for 100 rupees. You buy a Sennheiser headphone for 500 rupees. So this 100 rupees, you buy three headphones in a year. This 500 rupees Sennheiser headphone, one, the quality is good. And we are giving two years warranty for it. 
and with the dealer what we told that look you are earning 5 rupees on this uh, low end headphone on sanizer you learn 10 rupees and you know that launch uh, that you needed to believe yourself that it can be done as a consumer also uh, we sold that value proposition to our consumers and to our dealers who are a connection between the consumers and we took off and uh, the headphone category after that took off very well uh, so i mean that was the tucker's launch from the name to the concept the category so no one wanted the name uh, the brand also no one wanted but now you have me hooked on that one why did you move to moved away from philips look uh, i'm here you know so i was in singapore they i was working uh, in philips india we did very well and whatever they said okay now go and do it in uh, uh, singapore So in Singapore, I was managing all the APAC countries, Australia, New Zealand. You know, I thought I'd go. It's wow! I'm going to an international business. I'll do such great thing. But believe me, you know, I was sitting in Vietnam with the dealer distributor, and they behave exactly like how you behave in India. How much money will you give so I can buy X amount? So business, I learned that time is same everywhere. Right. And. Um, I know. I was just sitting in the swimming pool, and I was thinking, "Bore, okay, guys." And then somebody called, "Will you want to set up a company? You have to stay in Germany for one year." I said, "Yeah, let's do it." So I checked up my to Germany for one year, and when it started snowing, Aditi, I said, "No." Oh. <laughs> I said, "I'm going back to India." So, so snow back. was the reason why you came back. Oh, it was really cool. I couldn't take that one. <laughs> as as honest as it is, it is the yeah. snow. Coming to your handwriting, we mm. asked you to write your handwriting sample, and we asked you to do it on a blank sheet, which is an unruled paper. So you wrote a beautiful paragraph, and it is in front of me. The first thing that stands out when I look at your writing is two for style of formations that you have in the letter F, mm. F for forest. Mm. One where only upper loop is visible. Mm, yeah, where you can see that you know, the only half formation happens. Another one looks like number eight. If you look at the oh. first line, it goes up and then it moves to the left side and it forms number eight kind of a formation. Mm. Now both these things put together are interesting to talk about your planning and your execution style. So I'm mm. going to take a moment and describe how you plan and how you delegate and how exactly the planning and execution area works for you. with the first f that i described where you have only the top part shows that you love planning but you also love strategizing you know understanding the problem getting to the root cause of it understanding what is going wrong if it comes to detailed execution and telling people what to do when to do who will be doing it that is cumbersome for you you not only dislike it you pretty much hate it you're like if i am solving the problem if i'm giving you exactly what to achieve i want you to come up with the the everyday routine and operational work but interestingly it is not today it's how you thought throughout your career yeah so i mean it's amazing if you ask my team they will say yeah that's true uh, so i don't have to say anything so that's crazy so i can change that if i change my letter f 
not completely uh, for two reasons because that style took so much of time to be developed and also it is working for you if you change that you will be really really bored so it is against your nature and right. i can say that because of the other f that you have which is eight like formation yeah that particular f talks about how you go with the flow when it comes to execution so if you look at both of them the top part remains similar where mm. you plan things in a same manner by understanding where the challenges but one area shows that you don't like execution so you kind of delegate that the second one talks about the flow that you create when you're executing which means you jump in in a situation with both feet and then once you're there you figure it out yeah so on that you know execution is also my forte as and you know i really like to get my hands dirty and sometimes i've been accused that i don't delegate enough so uh, you know uh, to uh, reinterpret what you are saying if i have planned and strategized you know it's very cumbersome for me to tell the team you do it i said mai khud hi kar leti friends so either it is going with the flow or like i it's is not as avoiding the whole discussion yeah. plan altogether yeah yeah, yeah. i hear you another aspect of your writing which stood out for me and i'm going to connect that to other part of your life and we will will be talking about that so when you write your lower case letter d there is a gap at the bottom of the letter d which means it's almost like somebody standing in that vishram position you remember in school we used to say relax yeah. position in the in the parade ground so that yeah. that space between the two legs of letter d is high that shows somebody who can be so firm that she might not budge from her decision no matter what i would dare and use the word stubbornness here so yeah yeah so true so sharmila what questions do you have for me uh so aditi look i'm now 57 and uh, i'm doing this uh, maybe my handwriting tells you that you know i want i can't be in one job so if you see my track record in uh, 30 years i've changed seven jobs uh so uh, and at this stage it's difficult to find a new job i have been contemplating like should i go for entrepreneurship start something of my own or just do consulting or do uh, get into csr so i was wondering uh, what would be the next things i should uh, do so the first aspect that i want to present is there is a moment where you know very clearly and every job has given you that option of knowing internally to to move away because your learnings are over and if you do not learn if you do not grow if you do not move to the next level of your you know intelligence and your ability to lead and everything then you start getting unhappier by the day so it is not about the job is not about the situation it's only about your growth curve so what i talk to senior leaders about in that case is can you start a parallel learning curve with or without this job because learning is a challenge job is not so if you start building your next learning curve we might find specific answers to to then make a switch to then move to whichever direction starting uh, as an entrepreneur sounds a great idea but right now what you love in your work is the intellectual problem solving part of it so if you don't get that expanse to do it if you don't get that those kind of budgets to do it if you don't get those you know large problems you would be disappointed again 
if you work as a consultant then again you will be telling people things to do but you won't be leading them you won't be getting rolling your sleeves and getting down to things and doing them so there is a challenge in these two options because they won't be fitting into your natural way of functioning the very moment you pick things that is your natural way of functioning and find a career option there those things you would thoroughly enjoy csr however sounds like a plan to me because one you will be you can work with large budgets second you will create a huge impact that you love creating and third the challenges won't be only uh, that you will rely on other people to resolve these would be the challenges that you would work and create the shift by implementing things on your own so i believe that among the options that you gave me uh, sounds like a great plan having said that the learning curve is essential with or without that career option or next career move this is important that you find your next learning goal yes so i've been thinking about that you know one learning is the technical learning you know uh, the way things are done now suddenly because of this pandemic uh, the shift the channel shift from offline to online has happened uh the marketing the way we used to market has changed completely now it's everything is data analytics and it's like specific uh, consumer targeting so i did all those learnings i do all that learning but uh, to go to the next level uh, the learning you know the learnings i would uh, miss so i was also thinking you know i'll just put some small amount as a, in a startup company and then start learning from them about them so uh, i don't want to do learning as in a technical learning which i keep doing i like to keep myself updated and i spent uh, six months doing digital marketing course with mica but uh, you know learning on the job learning if i can get something exper- experiential uh, that is what i was looking for so yeah i'll think about it but yeah that csr activity at this stage maybe with whatever i have learned i think i can give back to the society now uh, if i can yeah thanks thanks for that right um we want to i want to ask you about your journey with cancer and how you managed to fight it and what were the the challenges or realizations more than anything else so you know i uh, was diagnosed with uh, third stage breast cancer so it was you know there was a lump uh, and i believe me it was there for a year and being a doctor's daughter i knew something is wrong but you know ignore so if anyone who's listening please don't ignore please take action don't make the same mistake as i did so uh, once while presenting i really um, felt faint uh, so i said time to go and get checked up so that's the funny thing when that woman did an ultrasound and all she started scolding why didn't you get come here earlier and all and she was more scared than me that i had cancer so as you know i am a single woman i got all the tests done etc so when i went to pick up the test the guy looked at me and said aapke sath koi nahi hai i said nahi give me the report he said uh, he looked at me and then he said okay take it so when i saw it it was like positive third stage so the first thing was oh this is like uh, the hindi movie anand that i for me it was just not realizing what it would mean and also when i came home they all got they panicked and they took me to the doctor 
Uh, they said you need to get a mastectomy done, you need to get a chemo, you need to get a radiation hormonal therapy. So I took the thing, but I did it more for my mother than for myself. Uh, went through it. So, you know, uh, once the chemo starts, however strong you are, you know, I thought I was like one top, uh, but the chemo kills you. It really kills you. But Aditi, what kept me going, you know, when I used to go for my chemo, I used to see people uh, along with me. So one day there was this lady, she was a Sardani, and uh, I was getting treated in a max hospital. And uh, she was being funded by some Gurudwara or something. You know, I shaved off my hair because I was losing it. She couldn't even shave it. She just had strands of hair. And uh, uh, she, I mean, for me, I used to take my chemo, my mother, brother, everyone, their support system, that poor woman used to come alone. And then she used to say, I have to go and buy the sabji and I have to cook for my three kids. And uh, her husband was in the army or wherever he was. So when I used to look at her and, you know, uh, they give you an injection so that you're, you're stronger to take the chemo. Mm. Woman, a uh, lot of times she used to be sent back because she was not even strong to take the chemo. I mean, I used to feel so lucky. Believe me, uh, people were saying, oh, poor girl, she has gone cancer. And I saying, my God, I'm so lucky. I'm so lucky. Um, so that was that realization. There was another guy, you know, uh, there was this Afghan gentleman. Uh, he was really, really, really old. And he had come all the way from Afghanistan to get him treated. And he used to tell me, Bibi, look at these kids. And the kids were saying, no, we want him. Uh, so when I saw that kind of chest to keep someone alive, I used to, I mean, it gave me a new perspective of life. It grounded me. It humbled me. Uh, yeah, those days were horrible. That uh, I took nine sessions of chemotherapy. Oh, God. And the ninth, I was like, I'm not going back there. And I was obnoxious. Believe me, I used to make life miserable for everyone. So I stayed alone. I just had a maid to come and cook and go. But I used to stay alone. Because I knew I was obnoxious and I was, I knew I'm not obnoxious. It's this medicine. And that also led me thinking, Aditi, it's, you know, uh, those days there was this Middle East war going on and all. And you could see on TVs, kids dying. But then, you know, I could relate it to my cancer. The medicine, the chemotherapy, to kill the cancer cells, they killed my good cells. I lost my hair. I had problem with my teeth. And... A lot of my system was, uh, even my eyesight went because of that. It was same uh, what was happening it, to solve one terrorist problem, whatever the political issues are there in Middle East. Mm. They were killing kids and children and all. So yeah, it gave, uh, I started looking at things very differently. But uh, on the whole, it just, the message I'm saying is, I'm very privileged and I hope I can give back to the society. I really try to help that woman, but she's just one person. But it's uh, almost seven years since I've uh, recovered. I try to do my best, but uh, let's see. I hope uh, I can continue contributing. Uh, That's people. moving to, to hear. And those realizations and the toughest points shape you for life, isn't it? Absolutely. While you're talking, I saw the tattoo that you have. Oh, yeah. yeah, I have two tattoos here. Yeah. What is it? So this is my father's name. I'm very close to him. It's uh, my father's name and this is Lord Shiva. So, you know, when I lost one part of my breast, 
people say you've become like Lord Shiva or the Narishwar, you know. Yeah. <laughs> I became a Shiva fan after that. So I'm Shiva type. How interesting. How interesting. What else can, can, what question you have? What other question? Uh, no, so uh, other thing, you know, what, so I often wonder why I'm not enjoying my work. Why am I uh, trying to think that to do something more? I can continue here. So in corporate life, you know, as it is uh, very challenging. So you have such brilliant ideas. So I'm in this watch business and the wearables business is picking up, but you know, it requires a lot of R&D, it requires a lot of investments and there's a balance sheet to look at. And uh, so, you know, this is the market and I would love to do that. And my team would love to do that, but we can't find the money and it causes frustration. Then you say, maybe I'll go to some other organization which will help me. So I was wondering how to overcome these kind of frustrations and um, managing things. You know, your heart is somewhere and uh, your job and your responsibilities towards the balance sheet. Uh, how do you balance those two things? So you take your work very personally. So for someone like you, the answer is very difficult in that sense because everything that you do represents you as a person so you won't look at it as my company is making mistake or or you know my balance sheet is not working well for you it's like as if somebody is making personal remarks that is one of the reasons why you have managed to be this successful because every single thing that you took upon yourself there's also another reason why you're worked up with your progress you know not being that great or your failures because they matter to you and you took them to heart now if you want to create something in that case and you're saying, I, I can see the possibility, I can move forward. The concept that I use is journaling where we ask a question and I believe and I'm more, I work with people on anti-anxiety kind of concepts. Our brains are equipped to come up with a lot of other solutions that we are otherwise blind to. It's like, you know, sometimes when you keep repeating a conclusion that you have, you keep going down to the same route and then you keep seeing the same thing. The very moment you ask a question, it's like a Google search engine. You put that term or that one question and suddenly the brain starts opening up new doors that are otherwise not possible. And emotionally, it's important, especially with somebody who takes things to heart. I would say the question I would ask is, what is the best possible option here? not the best option, but what is the best possible option? Because if I take all the stress that I do, and if I'm not moving forward and I'm affecting my body, definitely that is not helping. And more frustrated you are, you drag your feet, you do not look forward to that next meeting, that next conversation. And that frustration of not being able to do your best possible in the moment is where the actual problem lies. Goal, yes, it is important and you want to do it, but at the same time, what you're doing every day in every single meeting or every single conversation will create those dots, which will eventually create a line, which you're not, you're not happy about, not proud of. And that is in your writing, as I can see, has been lingering for more than two years, three years now. My God, how can you be so accurate? You, you know, it, you pinned it down. It's crazy. <laughs> it hasn't. After that, I it think. is like a clear, it's like people who, who have you know, fallen out of love, still st choose to stay in a marriage. That's how you, everything becomes a drag. Bang on, bang on, absolutely bang on. But uh, what you're telling me is to maybe find a solution within this 
thing you i'm not only saying that i'm saying for your body the experience creates the reality for your body it's not only the intellectual part i know the question that you asked me is completely business related and i'm making it about behavior and personality but it's essential that we look at it in that manner because because you take your work so personally so this is leading to you affecting your body affecting your health affecting your mental balance because you're fretting about it you're fretting about why you don't want to be here how i might not get another job so in a way that you are creating a situation in your mind which feels like i have to be here otherwise there is no other alternative so what is the solution what can i do about it? if you see that there are parts of your work that are getting to you probably finding a solution for those parts is crucial because what you're doing right now is not helping and it won't help with every passing day pretty much so if you take a call you kind of analyze you know how in any business analysis you see there are some things which are the weakest links or weakest areas which have to cure other parts are going well but emotionally when you start saying oh my god i have to deal with this again it percolates to everything else i feel there are parts of your job obviously you love otherwise you wouldn't have stayed first of all secondly there are areas which you can see the possibilities in but because it is not supported in the manner you want to be supported with is where the challenge lies if the example that you gave uh, you were talking about how you uh, used to go and understand the the balance sheet yeah. example that you spoke of pnl you said i want to i sat there and i went down to understand where the problem lies because of your frustration you're not taking that kind of ownership about the same job it is not in the job but because of the conclusions that you have finalized on my no no but you're so right that's so, so true aditi uh, I mean, you're just twenty-eight. How do you know so much? <laughs> Absolutely, it's like you're reading the situation as if you have seen what I've gone through. It's crazy. You know, your brain tells you all these things, but somehow you take the stupid decisions you have to. Uh, I, I sabbatical and then make up my mind. So thanks so much. You have reconfirmed. I mean, it was like reconfirmation of whatever I was thinking. I think. and i'm happy that you thought i'm 28 but i'm 36 now really <laughs> <laughs> i take it as a compliment <laughs> you look 28 so thank you so when we look at a difficult challenge and i believe as a professional as a person you've gone through different ups and downs and looked at situations which other people feel shouldn't happen at least not even once in their lifetime and you have seen them multiple times and not only that you walked into the discomfort and you chose to grow with it you literally picked those moments and you expanded your professional and personal bandwidth to to deal with it so if you have to tell our listeners what are the three things that they can keep in mind while walking into an uncertain situation or especially with covid so many things happened unexpectedly so how would you look at problem solving specifically to that No, so the first thing is, and I think COVID is a big example. This past twelve months, you know, you thought after thirty years you know everything. I mean, this twelve months told you you don't know anything. True. And so when the problem came, maybe let, let me take this COVID example. The first thing was two months there was no sale. How do you pay the bills? The first thing is how to preserve cash. 
Hmm. thing uh, so nobody teaches you you always think that uh, the banks are there to give you the working capital the money will come after selling the products the first thing how to preserve cash so uh, and you did things you had never done you know like we negotiated with a landlord look uh, it was a intense negotiation okay you don't take for this 3 months we assure you something else so these kind of negotiations which you never did so you have to think out of the box the first thing is you have to say i have to solve this problem not for myself but for the whole ecosystem and uh, so that problem you have to solve of course it was your survival also but you have to solve it for a bigger good and you know that really motivates you when you think about the big picture that really motivates you and you think of different options and you go down yourself you can't delegate you know uh, at my position i can tell my cfo and my legal guy please sort this out and come back to me i mean that would have taken time and by that time the company would have collapsed so you had to go you talked and you know when at your position you're picking up the phone and talking to the landlord he gives you a different kind of a respect true he, he would be very tough with my cfo but he was not as tough he was listening to uh, what i was saying so uh, i think that's one thing one was the cash flow problem the other thing is what else can you do to generate revenue the shops were closed uh, the e-commerce guys were not delivering so uh, we made a warehouse life on our website there were new things you tried experimented and believe me uh, the team i mean they were they really geared up you know our warehouse we needed people to come to the warehouse to do the shipping people walked 6 12 kilometers 30 kilometers to come to the warehouse i didn't know that i later realized these guys are walking because there's no transportation available then i organized something for them so everyone geared up when the problem comes if you think of a bigger vision and a bigger good and you go down and you are there with the troops you know one is like in the war you go down in the front with the gun to fight the enemy it really makes and this covid was a big problem so uh, maybe i can take a smaller problems uh, when i just started off my career hmm. so there was this uh, export consignment you know there was a lot of rejection uh, and because of that uh, we lost dollars because the customer would not accept the products expected hmm. the thing was i went down to that container in the whatever the customs saw the boxes how they were getting damaged looked at when i saw the boxes with my own eyes i realized okay here's the problem and then we called the people i took pictures and i went back and they said oh this can be solved by this 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 way so if i hadn't gone down and seen what damage was there in the container so i think when problem comes uh, first hand uh, it's information and experience is very very important and uh, that would be my uh, suggestion to anyone who's just starting off the career later on with your experience now i can say oh this problem is because of this 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 right but then uh, i think when you're starting off the career this is one advice i would like to give the second point that you mentioned was to talk to people who are in the who've gone through the same problem absolutely uh, so uh, there was this experienced logistic head i uh, so he was from uh, this company uh, lenovo so i asked him and uh, he said yeah I, this happened because of this so he also gave ideas the solution uh, 
I now I remember he gave ideas about the solution. So the problem uh, after we identified the problem, what would be the solution? So he had gone through. So we did not have to reinvent the wheel. He said we have done it in this ex old company. We tried that out and it worked. So talking to people with experience really helps, and you should seek them out. And they are all around you. And you know, in big organizations, we get lost. We sure. talk. We don't know where someone is coming from. He may be in a department where you never go or something. So you need to seek people out. And, and Sharmila, how do you do that? How, like, especially in an organization that grows larger, how do you make sure that you keep seeking out the the opinions from people? Absolutely. You know, this is uh, really important. And I think uh, I do that um, uh, very well because you know. My area would be sales or marketing or product development, but I would go once a month to the warehouse to check my inventory or something. And then I'll talk to everyone. I'll talk to them, what do you do and all. And when there is a success, so if uh, there was a product launch, it was usually successful going down and thanking them. And then when they are, um, you know, uh, the guards are down, they talk to you and they will say, ma'am, is the quality Look at this. So there are, I, I can uh, say that a lot of my success is because these guys told me and they never got the credit. I got it done. Mm. They saw in the warehouse and they told me. And uh, so uh, I think it's, uh, the thing is you have to go out of your department, seek out people uh, and talk to them. Um, you know, uh, that also I tell my team, don't have lunch with your team. Go and have lunch with some other uh, team members go and mix and match you know but yeah you, there is your comfort zone you want to relax and all that but i find it interesting talking to new people and all but what you said was interesting because most of the time we are told that the insights will come when you talk to the customer or the vendors but here you're saying the internal experts yeah. can actually give you the insight that otherwise people cannot yeah they already know all these things so uh, so there is another story here once you know we had to clear out some goods uh, because of some excise duty so i had to spend the whole night in the warehouse kind of a thing hmm. and the workers were like uh, no uh, we are not going to stay. We said, we'll give you overtime. They said, no, I have, I want to watch this XYZ movie. And uh, um, I mean, we don't want extra money. You know, uh, that's why I think one reason why a lot of our Indians are still below the poverty line, that hunger to earn and do more is not there. So there was this guy, he saw I was in trouble. He knew if we don't clear the excise, it'll be a huge loss to the company. So in his own language, so I, I mean, I just looked, he just offered help because he saw I was in trouble. And then, um, yeah, then I helped him grow in his career. It's mutual also where he helped that night, I remember. And then I talked to his boss that uh, how innovative he was and uh, uh, he took initiative, etc. It helped him in his career also. So these things are really important in the corporate life. The third point that you made was about decision making, which I thought was really important, especially for younger people who are, you know, who believe that there would be a perfect moment to make a perfect decision. So what would you say? No, actually, you know, I find this as an excuse, especially uh, with the uh, people who are junior, who are uh, in my teams. They'll say it's easier for you to say because you're in this position, you can take decisions in your position. I think it's bullshit. 
people have to take decisions they have to take responsibility whether it's personal or at work take your decision so maybe you don't have the authority but you take your decision and you tell you go to your superior or your uh, supervisor and you tell them look uh, this is my recommendation people these days just come with the problems so identify the problems come with your solution and say i recommend this one and the reasons for that you need to think through and uh, unless you take strong decisions i think your progress in the corporate ladder will be slower and yeah there are risks you are going to fail but i'm telling you the maximum learnings are when you fail it will help you grow even more faster so the you fail when you are younger you'll be more successful when you're older so when you talk about the decision making aspect and if you have to go and you know think of your decisions how did you as a young younger professional how did you begin that journey what did you do to build that ability that courage to take risk i uh, know so that courage one is i think it comes with your upbringing and believe me it's a lot of your family stuff i think i was been very lucky um, your parents your father said okay do whatever you want do whatever you do so that confidence comes from there also but yeah i can understand there are sometimes circumstances when you are not as confident or you will not take uh, that kind of a decision but then you have to think apply your brain if you don't where will you be and if you do either you will sink or you will live so it will be somewhere uh, people who don't take decision i see them suffering for a long period of time because of their indecision and it damages them a lot it's better to go one way or the other and i said i said even failure is not bad sort of time it's at least you are somewhere right so i really want to encourage the young people uh, be decisive so before we close this conversation if i have to talk about your decision making uh, you write your letter m in a very soft hump format it has mm-hmm. like rounded humps and that talks about how observant you are in collecting information so you talk to people you observe things you keep studying the competitors yeah. in through multiple sources you keep observing things for months together mm-hmm. and when you take your final call you keep all of those things in mind or your understanding or your instinct which is developed by now by observing things and by experimenting you implement all of this but that research goes on throughout it is not like a one time process when you have a problem right. okay. no that's, that's very true i you're bang on i think it's very amazing yeah you're bang on i really do my research i uh, i mean i have nothing as i told you i love my work so even if i have free time i'm just looking at things i'm researching things even on a weekend i'm just doing my work because that i enjoy being ahead of whatever i do and that helps in my decision making because knowledge always if you are knowledgeable it always helps your decision i cannot tell you how inspired i am on so many different levels after having this conversation personally professionally through you know looking at your contribution to make a difference one of the lines that you stated uh, one of the lines that you said that your boss had told you that through your work at least add to small please tell us that line about the gdp No, so again, you know, I'm I'm always a dreamer and cranky. So I remember my boss Ugo San and Sony. Uh, I, you know, I one day resigned and I said I'm joining Cry. You know that Cry organization. 
So he says, why? I said, what am I doing here? I'm making money for you. You're uh, going around in a Mercedes. I might as well go and uh, help the children and try. So he said, sweetheart, uh, go to the factory. There are 300 girls there. Because you're doing well, their families are running. You're providing jobs to them. And that's where I realized corporate life is, I mean, it, uh, it is about the society. And he said, Sharmila, do something so that you can at least contribute to 0.0001% of the Indian GDP. I, he was a Japanese, so he was motivating me to work for the country. And, and that stayed with me. And I have quoted this to my team and everyone else. I mean, it's not about yourself. It's not about your bank balance, your salaries, whatever. You need to give back. And if you make lives of some people better around you, I mean, you'll feel much better like this. Thank you so much. This, I'm getting goosebumps as you're saying these lines. I, I, I'm so grateful that you, you chose to spend time with us today and have this conversation and taught us so many different things. It is really, really... But Aditi, you are amazing. The things you said, my God, it was... I, I'm like stunned, my God. So uh, thank you. It was really rewarding for me. I think I have identified the problems. Now I'll go and find my solutions, I guess. Done? Done? Thank you so much. Thank you. Which was your favorite part? I have so many notes made and I had so many things that I could learn from this one single conversation. It is unreal. You know, I must tell you, I love the fact that all of you listen to the show, but I also feel that so many times the show happens where I get to speak to these amazing individuals and learn how they became, you know, improved their leadership quality after a point. What did they do to question their own limitations, to break their own barriers? I feel that is powerful, poetic and something that you can only learn from other people. You can't read enough number of books to get this. You got to see the master in action. That was a line said by Michael Jackson. He said, if you want to learn, this is like the, the best way to learn is to see a master at play. And I think that's what happens when people talk about their stories and they explain what exactly happened in the situation. As you can tell, I am excited. I am I'm so elated just to be part of this conversation. So please tell me which was your takeaway and what you're going to implement in coming 15 days. I think that's going to be an interesting journey to look at. Every time I see a key principle like that, I feel it is so powerful to take that principle, kind of distill it and make it precise where you can implement it in a rule format and try it and test it and measure the impact. And that's exactly what we are doing with our weekly group coaching program, which is a gym for mental and emotional fitness, where we take principles like these and implement them and have the group learn and explore this. So if you haven't checked that out, please check out aditisurana.com slash apt, which is aspire, perform and transform. You'd be surprised to see the kind of interaction that we have there. If you want to know more about my work and how I can associate with you and your organization, you can check out aditisurana.com for all the services that we offer. If you have a question, if you would like me to include a question for our guest in the coming future, please mention that you can write to me on w-r-i-t-e write at aditisurana.com. If you haven't subscribed to our YouTube channel yet, please do that. We have so many conversations like this. Every week we come up with two episodes of the Absolutely Right podcast where you can learn and claim the best version of yourself. That is my favorite part of the show where I get to do this with people around the world and I hear the stories from you which are mind-boggling, heartwarming 
and sometimes heart-wrenching when people talk about the pain that they have gone through and how they did not allow themselves to sink in because they heard one episode or one particular conversation that is worth all their efforts. I'll see you on Friday with one more episode of the Absolutely Right podcast. Till then, happy writing!